Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Period Chats podcast. On this podcast, we examine how the period stigma, along with various other stigmas, have impacted women administrators' health throughout the years. My name is Kate, and I'll be your host, along with many other amazing guests. I'm a registered dietitian with a master's degree in human clinical nutrition. I'm also the founder of Funkit Wellness, a menstrual health company. So if you're ready to learn more about yourself, your cycle, and the world, tune in and let us know what you think. This podcast is brought to you by Funkit Wellness. Check out their seed cycling kits on www.funkitwellness.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Period Chats podcast. I am so excited to have Eliza with us. She is a nutritionist. She focuses on like the holistic aspects of nutrition, and she's got a super cool podcast. So we are going to be diving all into finding her wellness voice and what she has learned through her wellness career. So without further ado, I'd love you to give us the whole rundown on yourself. Well, thank you for having me. I was super intrigued when I saw your email come through. I was like, periods, that got my attention. (laughs) But yep, I'm Eliza. Um, I'm a holistic nutritionist and personal trainer part-time, but that's more just so that I can have some social time. And I have a podcast hotter than health and it's my baby. It's like three and a half years old. Go check it out. It's got tons of info and hopefully we'll have um, Kate on there as well someday. But I guess, I mean, story-wise I can try and keep it short, but I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina in a pretty your typical family, like I didn't go through my childhood with a lot of, there was not a lot of trauma that I can look back on. Like my parents got divorced, but I'm now in the majority, you know, it's lots of, lots of kids go through that. Um, And, you know, I was excited to go to college because I just knew that I wanted to be independent, but college was actually never really for me. And also you will hear the dog behind me, Jack's fine. um, But he, uh, or so going back to it, I grew up in a really wonderful family, very supportive, happy, positive. And, um, my nuclear family was very close and my father was always very much, he, he never really labeled it as being interested in nutrition. He more so always had alternative methods for making us make sure, you know, making sure we felt good. Um, you know, if my sister, I came home from a day of school and we were just being little bitches, he'd be like, have you had water today? Do you need some, go outside and like, go, go get in the sun. Or if I, um, I went through a little, out of anemia where I just, I was freezing cold all the time. I couldn't regulate my body temperature. I just had zero energy. I was like turning blue all the time, um, even during the summer. And so he always said, well, I'm going to cook your greens in the cast iron skillet just to get another level of iron in there. So I was always raised with these little tidbits of knowing that food could help heal. And it, you know, we were never allowed to have anything processed. None of my friends ever wanted to come over. I was always like the girl with buckwheat in the pantry. Like (laughs) I can relate to that because I used to beg my mom, like, can you please buy junk food for my friends to come over? Please. I remember like I had an all out meltdown in middle school because we had just moved. I'm like, mom, I just don't want to be the weird kid. Okay. Like, please just buy Oreos. And she did it and she did not want to do it, but she totally did. I know my dad would sometimes cave and he would go get, he like, 
on a random Friday, he'd be like, all right, we're doing pizza tonight. And we would all just freak out and get so excited. And um, he was like, I know you're lactose intolerant. I really wasn't. I think he just knew that processed dairy was bad. But so thanks for that, dad. But I, uh, anyway, so grew up with that kind of all around me, went to college and immediately, I was definitely surrounded by a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of, I was in a sorority for two years and of course everyone's complaining about their bodies. And I was always very active, you know, loved going to the gym, loved doing all these things, not as punishment, but I actually genuinely had a good relationship with it. And I, I could see a lot of people around me who were struggling with really addictive food habits, sex habits, drug habits, alcohol, you know, bulimia, just like going to jail, all these things around me that I saw, felt so were really addictive. And I always knew that it came from somewhere else. So I was always really interested in what deeper meaning would come out in food or in relationships with our bodies and things like that. And um, fast forward a number of years, I was living in Arizona working. And genuinely, if you had said, Liza, what is the hardest thing in your life? I would have been like, it's really hot outside. You know, it's, I just had everything. I was making great money at my job, had like great boyfriends and friends and partying and was the fittest I had ever been. But also at the time, simultaneously, I was on uh, a form of birth control that was totally fucking on my skin. So that was, that's what I would say was my number one. And then one day I got a call from my mom and she said, I just want you to know everything is okay, but I, they think that they may have found something and it ended up starting her journey of, um, we were our journey of helping her deal with treatment and everything through anaplastic thyroid cancer. A lot of people haven't heard of anaplastic thyroid cancer because it's like the rarest, most aggressive form of it. And I spent every weekend going home from Arizona to Charlotte, North Carolina, taking care of her with my family. And I would go home and she had like a complete thyroidectomy. They like um, had to sacrifice a couple of her vocal cords. It was a very traumatic time. And I was feeding my mom through a feeding tube through her stomach. And it just like, it was very surreal to me. Um, and in the time, you know, I was completely numb, just so fucking numb. Like I had zero concept of anything other than, okay, how am I going to not only pay the rent in Arizona, pay the rent in Charleston, because I'm moving there because I have to be closer to home, but I'm living in Charlotte. It was like, you know, trauma was going on with my stepdad. We had a God, a fucking horrible relationship during this whole thing. Death just brings out a really tough side of people. And what I really would, I would always look at, you know, the only thing that really registered for me, other than just trying to grasp that I was watching my mom die in front of me every day. And that sounds aggressive, but it's genuinely like, there's a stigma around death and experiencing like, yeah. it's so great that you can say that and talk about mm-hmm. it. I appreciate you. That's really brave. Thanks. Well, I, so I would be feeding my mom through these cans and all of her doctors, you know, when you're going through all this really terrifying stuff. I was the one who was along with other parts of my family. I would go with my mom to these doctor's appointments where they would tell her like, Hey, chemo is not working anymore. And I just remember these just fucking like 
cannonball. I'm sorry for all the cussing, but all these just, no, you're good. you know, wrecking balls to the heart every time I would go into the doctor's office with her. And then I just felt so for her. Cause I was just like, if this is like this for me, it's, this is your reality too, mom. And, um, so I just remember trusting all of the doctors. I was like, they know what's right. They, I'm going to listen to them. They can do no wrong. And I would look at the ingredients on these cans of food. And I'm telling you, there were 40 ingredients on these cans. This is why I don't work in a hospital anymore. Just FYI. And there were ingredients I had never heard of. And at the time, like I was still, I had had a couple of certifications through nutrition and, you know, I could tell right from wrong. It wasn't like I knew what these things were, but I knew that a lot of them were chemical-based, preservative-based, and like glucose-based. And I also knew like, well, cancer cells feed off of sugar. So what the fuck are we doing? And I just, none of this really registered for me until after I was holding my mom's hand and she died. And I just was like, there's, I just went through two years of being like, I fucked up. I could have done more. Why didn't I stand up for what I knew my gut was telling me was right and wrong? What could I have done more to help her? And instead of continuously like not feeling anything, not feeling numb, like I didn't really cry ever for two and a half years while she, it just, nothing was registering. And then I realized I have to get this out there. I have to dive deep. I have to, I have to tell more people that we have to take a hold of our health and, um, not just, not just when bad things happen, but before. Um, and so that's really where the, that's where the podcast started. That's where my nutrition business started. That's where just this fire started. And, and yes, it happened to somebody else, but now it's happened to me. And I just was, there's, it's non-negotiable for me to make sure that people are at least educated and they aren't blind to what's going on around them. And I also like, my way is not, my way not might not be the right way, but it's the right way for me. And that's what I want people to know is that there is, you know, it's okay to evolve. It's okay to change. I might be plant-based now. I might have steak in two years. Like I'm open to evolution based on how I know my body feels best. And I just don't think people are fully able to recognize like I wasn't for years as numb. I think people are numbed out to health and uh, anyways. So here I am. Uh, it's been almost five years and we are, or the business is growing, the podcast is growing. And all I want to do is just share that message. Gosh, I'm so proud of you. Like that is amazing to go through something so hard and so just like close to your heart and terrible, but turn it into something really beautiful. And like, you're helping so many people. So I don't know if anyone said this to you today, but I'm proud of you. That's freaking amazing. Thanks girl. Thanks. Um, that's so interesting. And, you know, it is interesting the way we treat disease in this country. It's, mm -hmm. it seems like when you learn more about food and nutrition, it seems so counterintuitive. You're like, what? Yeah. We want to, we want to empower people to understand, but then we have never seen a higher number of like eating disorders or people who have a bad relationship with food therapy, trauma. And it's because everything is so complicated 
And I think that at the end of the day, if you just strip away all of the trends, all of the fads, what are things that we actually know? We know that processed foods are bad. Eat them and and, and people are gonna be like, there's not foods that are bad. And I, I'm all about potty positivity and beauty comes from within and all these things. However, can we please stop turning up the volume on people's mics who are saying, eat whatever you want, be, and I'm like, look, I am all about eating what you want in moderation, but when the majority of your diet is processed and full of carcinogens and um, just completely inflammatory and we start to see an autoimmune disorder or if we start to see any other, any type of chronic disease coming up, I just have a really tough time hopping on that bandwagon when I know that it's not about this is, it doesn't have to do about body positivity for me in that situation. It has to do with the fact that if you have type two diabetes, or if you have a huge history of, um, you know, heart issues in your family and you're continuously eating processed foods every day, not in moderation, that is when I have a problem with people saying like, don't label foods as good and bad because I, you know, but life is too short to live it sick. And I think the thing with food is like, I think that the message has gotten misconstrued. Like, you know, food is great for you. Food is your fuel. It's your nourishment. It's your power. But our bodies, like this is what I always go back to. Our bodies know how to process whole foods. So, you know, whole grains, fruits, veggies, lean meats, all these things that you can find in nature this is what our body knows how to work with. What our body doesn't know how to work with is things made in a lab, things that are preserved for a shelf life of 12 years, like things. And that's like a little excessive. I don't know like what has a shelf life of 12 words, but I'm here. It could be longer. Yeah. I'm sure something does. And so that like is where I think the line is, is like our bodies don't know what to do with that. So when they don't know what to do with it, that's when they start storing and becoming inflamed and GI Mm -hmm. and gut issues and it's all these like chronic diseases that probably weren't around. Yes, of course, our our lifespan is so much longer now and modern medicine is beautiful and I'm fully here for it. But when our lifespan is huge, or is, you know, up to 90 something years old, but we also have the highest rate of, you know, um, all-cause mortality. We have the highest rate of heart issues, cancers, and all these different things when there are other places that are doing it right, like the Blue Zones and Costa Rica and places in Italy where, you know, they're not eating processed foods, but now even those places are being touched by it and they're like, you know, they're having higher rates of different chronic diseases and it's tough because, you know, from the richest country in the world, we're like, going for the cheapest manufacturing. And I understand that like, it's not, it, that's not my lane and I'm not jumping in that lane, but I just believe that we should be focusing on different things. Like just, maybe we just add in some greens, <laughs> like just keeping it super simple. We don't need to remove what's good, what's bad. It's just, do you think that fruits are more healthy than like I don't know, flaming Hot Cheetos. I don't think that that's much of a... <laughs> and like, no, I mean, I don't think anything you're saying is bad because what I really believe is whole foods. Like, and I don't mean whole foods, the grocery store. I mean, fruits, 
vegetables, grains, yeah. like all these yummy things that are so good for us and taste so good. And totally. you can cook them quickly and effectively. And if, like, it doesn't have, you don't have to cook for an hour every night. And, you know, you there's can so still many make things. brownies that are, yeah. you know, not processed and have, don't have all these oils in them. Like there are a lot of options. I agree. And I think like, you do have to take a stance on that. And like, especially for me, I'm such a food first person. Like, why don't we focus on these foods and all the value they have in them before we're jumping to like process things or supplements made in labs or like all these different, like nature is really smart. She gives us what we need. Like she is taking care of it. So no, that is a tangent. I am so happy to jump on anytime. (laughs) Good. Yeah. And I mean, if people, I also know that like soil is different now or water is different now. Everything is different now based on our environmental um, habits and like all the toxins. So if there are protocols and methods that work for you to detoxify yourself, like drink your hot lemon water, take some charcoal, maybe some like magnesium so that you can poop a ton. And then pooping is great. Pooping is great. That was like the whole basis of my podcast and how it started is making sure that people were pooping all the time, which is very important thing to do. Exactly. And not using laxatives to poop, like pooping through like normal, healthy detox pathways. Like, yeah, it's so tricky because where detox has gotten like, it's gotten very diet culture-y, which I Mm -hmm. hate to use that word, but your liver is your natural detox pathway. Pooping Mm -hmm. is a natural detox pathway. Sweating is a natural detox pathway. Like, exactly. So like, how can we sweat more, pee more, poop more, like all these things. I completely agree. And, and it doesn't have, yeah. I mean, finding a good way that's not habit forming is the best. And I know that so many people struggle with poop. Like I call it a conference call. I say like your morning conference call. So, so many people struggle with that and it sucks, but then you have to think even deeper, like, okay, typically then maybe your sleep is off. Maybe your hydration is off. Yeah. Or you're super, super stressed or you're, I was, I remember when I was, when everything was happening with my mom, I had crazy cystic acne. I was barely sleeping. I was drinking all the time and I had terrible conference calls in the morning. It was rabbit pellets. It was awful. And it all had to do with my internal stress, just fight or flight all the time. So, you know, looking at those types of instances, like how are you actually feeling right now? And that will reflect like what's going to (laughs) happen. Exactly. Like, it's such a good point. And like, I think it's things people don't want to talk about. And, you know, like, just like you said, I don't want to ever shame anybody because everyone's relationship with food is so different. If you listen to this podcast, you know, the background that I come from and the relationship I've had with food. Um, it's not been a good one. It's something Mm -hmm. I have to wake up every day and choose to do what's best for my body. But you think about your body, like a car, you're a sports car, you're top of the line, you cost $500,000. You're not going to put like the worst quality gas in it. You're going to put the premium gas in it and your body deserves those foods. Oh, such a good tangent. I I completely agree. I completely agree. And yeah, that's not to say like, I don't respect people's journeys or anything like that. You can listen to the podcast and I have a hundred episodes on, you know, the relationship with food and how a lot of people that I've interviewed, like how they've overcome all these things. And it's a practice every single day, no matter how good or um, developing your relationship with food is for sure. And it's a practice every day and it will ebb and flow based on your life. I think that just knowing that you can bounce back and knowing that there are resources out there. If we just, if you want to improve, there are resources out there. And I just hope to be one of those resources, you know? I love that. And, you know, so you've touched on this, but I want to just like encapsulate it. 
wellness obviously means a lot to you. Um, but what does it like in one sentence, like what does it mean to you? I believe wellness is being able to be, mm, how do I say this? Able to understand your body and its rhythms and habits enough to be open to evolving, um, not just your diet, but your daily habits and your daily rituals and routines and your mindset. I think that so much of it has to do with being able to understand, okay, this is no longer serving me. This is serving me. This is, you know, this is elevating me. This is something that I kind of don't understand. Like, why am I doing that? Understanding which habits serve you, which habits don't. And that goes for food, spirituality, energetics, you know, fitness, however, however you like to relate to it. But that's what I think is just being able to be in tune enough, like be clear enough that you can understand what's happening in your body when you know something's wrong and when you know something's right. I love that. And I love that you touched on evolution. Like it's a journey. Like it's not like a linear destination. Like what I'm doing for my body now is so different than what was working for me two years ago. Like we're always changing. Totally. And I will say, I mean, I am, I've really prescribed or subscribed to like, a, I call it plant dominant because, and I'm, I gotta get some merch. Like I love it. Yeah, but get some merch. Like, Come on. But plant dominant, I just feel like is the best term for it because it's not vegan. It's not plant-based. It's just dominantly eating whole foods and then leaving a little bit of space for whenever you do go to the movies and you get butter popcorn, or if you're out and you're having tequila shots, like life happens. So leave room for it. But I think bolstering our health with having like a dominantly healthy plant-based anti-inflammatory lifestyle just leaves a lot of room and it like gives you so much nourishment that you don't necessarily like your cravings change your cravings totally yeah, change they do. but but and i think that like just by tweaking those small things maybe if you want to go more mediterranean if you're feeling it you know if you're feeling like you want to focus more on healthy fats maybe you have like you need to balance your blood sugar a little bit more or whatever the case may be i just think that like really tying yourself down and putting yourself in a box of a diet is so challenging. But think about it. Like if anyone were to put you in a box of saying, you can only do this type of workout, you can only, you can only do squats for the rest of your life. Like Jesus. I don't or, want to do squats for the rest of my life. I want to right? go on a walk. <laughs> right. I want to I, like ass is great, but I'd love some like good shoulders too. How about it? Or if I just want to go for a walk. Yeah. So it's just putting yourself in this box. It's like having a child, uh, being the middle child. And I can relate to this, like being a middle child and your parent is telling you, okay, don't sneak out. And here I go stealing their most expensive bottle of wine and like going to meet my hot neighbor in the middle of the night. Like <laughs> these things happen. You rebel when you're put into this box. I Yes, you just like nailed it. This is why I was so excited for us to talk. I knew we were just going to vibe on this, but <laughs> it's the same thing. So I have a hard time because I eat like you plant dominant diet. I love that term. I don't eat dairy most of the time. I don't eat eggs most of the time, but I also have learned that shutting myself off is when I actually fall back into my old restrictive habits. So if I'm craving a bite of steak and it's already made, I'll have a bite. If I want a bite of cheese, even though I know it might make my skin break out, I'll have a bite. You touched on it so beautifully. Like 
when you put yourself in that box, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to not evolve. So yeah. And like, I love it. It's, it's one thing if you like see all these, like if you're in a glass box and you're just thinking, okay, I see all these people. And what happens is when you put yourself in this box, you see all these other people around you who you think have it perfect. And that's where social media comes into play. And everyone's like, what do I eat in a day? Which I don't really care about. That's fine. Nothing offense. Like we are in a day and age when I, everyone is very sensitive and I appreciate that sensitivity, but I don't want to be in a world where I can't make a joke or like, you know, you got to be in on the joke a little bit. But um, anyways, I think that it's like, if you're in this box and you see everyone around you uh, progressing and, you know, quote unquote, making progress on social media or all these friends telling you, Hey, you should try this. You should try this. Of course you want to try it. But I think that do your due diligence and listen to your gut. I think that like, again, doing those things that like, I don't know, clear your energy fields and go for a walk and you maybe stay off social media for an extra hour a day. And you really do begin to tap into how you work best. And then you stop comparing yourself to all of these other people, which like, if you start comparing yourself, I think that's the big root of it. It's like, if you start comparing yourself, then it's a very deep, dark hole we can go into subconsciously. I know this is like a very cliche quote, but I think it says it best. Like comparison is the thief of joy. Like, I am so glad you said that. I've been saying it nonstop to my clients and they're like, please shut up. So comparison is a thief of joy. Don't do it. And I'm so guilty of doing it. I'm so guilty of doing it, but it is a thief of joy. Um, oh, I love your journey and getting to hear all about it and talk about these things. So now we're going to talk about some things that Funkit loves to talk about. And I love to talk about periods. And you mentioned that in the beginning. So what are your thoughts on like, what's going on with women's health right now or menstrual health? Um, just like your state of the union, like thoughts on it. I'm really glad that we are more people with larger platforms and not even so much in the medical world, but I know that like more people are opening up their eyes to alternative forms of birth control, which I think at the root is the cause of a lot of issues. It's also just a very blanket diagnosis. I, I also believe that there are some times in the world, like some people need birth control and that is totally fine. I just want to make sure like a diet, like anything you have your options. And I think, I genuinely, I always say, I'm like, I wish that they would call a birth control pill an estrogen pill. It'd be so much more like, let's just call a spade a spay. Um, Because at the end of the day, we're prescribing birth control for more than just preventing birth. We're prescribing it for regulating periods, period cramps, acne, all this stuff. And people are like, I don't want to get off birth control. My boobs will go away and my skin will get bad. And I'm like, trust me life without boobs is not that bad trust me and like there's a root cause for like the skin problems and the cramps like we've got to dig into we've got to shift away from treating the symptoms and start digging into the root of the issue or we're not going to evolve totally and I think that like even just little tweaks so for instance like talking about periods if you want to get really into it I love it there's nothing TMI on this podcast or my life like you People who know me literally know what my period blood looks like. Cause I tell them like today was a cloudy, um, but either way. So I just like, I've been on, I was on the pill since I was 15. I'm now 28. I was on the pill for 10, 11, no, 10 years. Then I was I got, on it 10 years as well. It's a yeah. long time. 
and, and it's just because that's it is what it is. And then I was like, anyways, and it's something that all my friends were doing as well. So it, it was, was very, just cool. very common. Yeah. It's just like, you flip it up like a little, um, like it's a freaking what is that phone called? Like a, a T-Mobile sidekick, um, like sidekick. Yes. I just had to talk with someone the other day. Like I remember feeling so cool when I was on birth control, like, oh yeah, here's my little like pack. And now I'm like, dang it. You messed I know, up. I'm like, toss it. <sighs> now it's in our water supply and my children. I'm like, oh, we need to get a Berkey water filter. Oh, I have a Berkey. It's awesome. I just got one for my sister. She's pregnant. And I'm telling you, it's just like, I, I can't wait. I'm going to get my own, but we have no counter space for it. Mm-hmm. That is neither here nor there anyways. But the, um, so as I, I was on a Skyla and then I was like, oh my God, I am depresso and I'm anxious. And I was just starting to understand and experience what anxiety was. And then I realized that like, I had this insane cystic acne. I mean, craters underneath my skin. I didn't want to look people in the eye. I felt so uncomfortable, painful. I didn't give a shit about the pain as much as I gave a shit about what people thought of me. Again, comparison, thief of joy. I was not very joyful. But still it's hard. It's totally hard. And I had like, my skin has never been this good in my whole life. And I'm not on any form of birth control. And I think I also have a good skin regimen right now. So LMS, thank you. But the, the thing is, is like my body changed so much. I could, and, and people do not believe me. I'm telling you, I have like a fucking fantastic instinct with my own body. When I got my, when I got my first IUD out, my Skyla, I could tell immediately that I got it taken out. I walked out and I felt different. It, It like, indescribably gut feeling felt different felt lighter skin started clearing up within two days and it was just insane and then I started dating my boyfriend about a year ago and I was like you know like things are good I might just go back on and I was like well I won't get a hormonal form of birth control and my gut told me that was not a good idea I had it in for four months 10 day periods heaviest I've ever had horrible like bent over in pain thought I had punctured it um no wonder it's birth control who wants to have sex when they're like in so much pain and miserable yeah I was like okay well we can either have sex when I'm literally a geyser or I or we we have 20 days well actually not even 20 days oh wait I guess I wasn't tracking then but now I just use flow and I've used flow for like a year and I love it it's and I I genuinely I'm really good about tracking it because I really don't want to I don't want to mess anything up. And we still use condoms sometimes. Um, I'm sure he's going to appreciate all of this openness, but my poor uh, like husband, everything's just vented on this. I'm like, yeah, like when, yeah. So exactly here. Um, but yeah, so we use condoms at a certain point in my period, but he also never like, I don't ever let him explode inside. So there's, I'm not going to do that. It's just not, I always recommend that. I'm like, it's just, if you're tracking your cycle and you're still like a year in, you're still getting to know your cycle. Like just, you're still yeah, just like, let them do it. it on your tits and you're fine. <laughs> I love <Sorry>. it. <laughs> no, I'm here for it. I'm here for all of that. And like, we need to talk about stuff like this. If we yes. don't talk about this, like it's when we have to say stuff in private, it's like, yeah, it just wouldn't be an issue or a stigma. There'd be so yeah. much. Imagine if you had cycle tracking education in high school. Imagine if you- someone would have told you this. If someone had told me, hey, you're not going to be horny for a while if you're taking birth control pills or like 
or or you're going to be extremely and then when you get off you'll kind of lose it if it's going to mess with that i think that that would have changed my entire perception you know like it really yeah it would and like the thing is too like when i was on birth control i had no libido and i thought i was like broken i was like same i don't work i was like are we not like people like is what's going on and i got off birth control and i was like oh is this what I'm supposed to be like? Cause I like this. This is cool. Yeah. It's like, I was telling a client the other day, we were having a call talking about tracking your cycles and what types of workouts to do at what phase of your cycle. And we, which I think is a soup, we could rave on that for forever. Like but whole, we'll do that on your podcast. We'll come in with all this stuff. Yes. Let's do that. And we were talking about it and, um, we just, we're going into the fact that, and again, yeah, I just think that if people really knew the long-term effects of birth control, then it, yeah, it definitely wouldn't be the way, not as many kids would be on it. I just think that so many people are like, yeah, but the pill is so easy. I'm like, no, Uh, it wasn't easy for me. I forgot all the time. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I know a lot of girls who have got pregnant on the pill. They're like, I'm on birth control. I'm like, no, no, no. You are prescribed birth control, but you kind of have to take it perfectly. I know people who've got pregnant with IUDs. Oh, for sure. Have you seen that one disgusting photo? Oh my God. If your audience Googles this right now, um, they're going to be like, who is this raunchy girl? But if you Google baby born with IUD, it's the most insane I've thing seen it with I've the baby. ever. Yeah. Yes. The baby is holding the IUD as though it was, it was like born because I guess once she got pregnant, she didn't want to get rid of it. So she, they couldn't go in and retrieve the IUD. So Google I was it. like, Oh my gosh, it's wild. So this baby is holding onto the IUD while it is getting pushed out of the mother's vagina. It's like so so crazy to me. Like thing in your body. Also, I am not villainizing birth control. No, I think that I'm not either. I think that there is a place, there is a place for birth control. And it works really great for a lot of people. And my thing is like it's a privilege to, and I recognize it's a privilege. And I would like to say that again and again, to be able to have this conversation about, and we, can, we yes. can choose when we're having sex and we can choose if we want birth control or not. And we can choose the foods that we eat. Yes. All of that's a privilege and birth control serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. What doesn't serve a purpose is the lack of education around it. Agreed. I and not being agree. informed and saying I was 14. There's no way at 14, it should have just been like, here you go. Take these pills. Like, yeah. How's it going to affect my gut? How's this going to affect my brain? How's it yeah. going to affect my relationship with my body? I got prescribed Vyvanse and birth control around the same time. As did I. Yeah. As did so many people our age. We're what? We're the same age. And ask a bunch of girls or anyone our age. I bet they were prescribed both. Thinking about earlier. So there are a lot of people who think that they have something wrong with them during that one week of their cycle and their luteal phase when they begin to really have their higher hormones and like things are peaking and escalating and they're very sensitive and they feel discouraged. They might go in and do the exact same workout that they did last week. And they're like, well, I just did this last week. And then they try and do it again and they try and they try and they're going so hard during this phase of their month. But then that's when they start to retain more weight in their midsection because they're extremely stressed and there's so much going on internally and people fight it. But I think that once we can really like track our cycles and understand what each of those times mean and symbolizes, then we'll give ourselves more grace and be able to recognize, okay, 
I know this happens every month. I'm not going to, you know, the scale's not going to change and my self-worth does not change if I can't hit these PRs in the gym. Go do your yoga that day. Go for a walk. Still move your body. It's important to move your body, but like go do something light. Go dance. Go, yeah, you go know, have fun. Do some go cry in a pool. Some yeah. Yoga. Exactly. And I think that just knowledge really is so much power. And, and there are so many resources out there like this that it almost, it's overwhelming a lot of the time. It is. And okay. Last question. I could talk yeah. all day to you. I love all of these things. Um, what? So there's a stigma around periods. We all have experienced that. What do you think the world would look like if there wasn't a stigma around periods? Like ever? No stigma on periods. I think there would be a lot more understanding of how, of how important or uh, not important, but how complex the female body is. I think that it would be more of an understanding and a topic of conversation as to, um, I think it would give a lot of answers and a lot of clarity as to like different people's relationships and what's going on and our patients levels. But, um, that's a really good question. It's a hard question. And I don't prep anyone for that question. And it's tough. And like, if you think of an answer, like in your sleep tonight, which is what always happens to me or something, we can put it in the show notes because it's a big question. I don't think we fully understand what the period stigma has done to our society. Like, I think there's a lot that's just ingrained in us, you know, even just going to the grocery store, I'm trying to like put the tampon box on the, you know, on the cash register first. Yeah. I'm like, this is it. These are my regulars and supers because who knows? Um, and yeah, I completely agree. And we don't want to be embarrassed. It's like, I think that, I think that the stigma, it's not starting to go away, but I think it's being talked about more, even with just like period underwear coming out. I love my period underwear. I love them. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't, I, I don't, but I also like, I tried a diva cup and it was during that terrible, terrible period. And I was like, this is not working. So I'll have to menstrual give it another cups, go. I love menstrual cups. My favorite menstrual cup is the bloody buddy cup. They've been on my podcast before. It's it's more flexible. Okay. Um, mine was like a vacuum seal. Yeah. Mine's it's like more flexible. So like, it's not as rigid. I'm like clenching like this. Cause I've put one yeah. in wrong before and it's like, this is not okay. I'll send you the link for the bloody buddy cup. They're pretty cool. Yeah, I would love that. Um, great. I wish I had a better answer. No, that's a great answer. It's an honest answer that we don't know. Like Mm -hmm. we don't know what's, how much damage it's done, but we're undoing it. We're talking about all these things that no one else wants to talk about. I appreciate you coming on. Where can everybody find you? Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Instagram at Eliza G underscore wellness or at hotter than health podcast on Instagram, but definitely go check out the hotter than health podcast. We have a weekly episode every Thursday without fail. And it's anywhere you listen to podcasts. Heck yeah. Thank you so much for having me.